Hey, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of The Veterinary Optimist. I am your host, Jennifer Evans. Today, we have a special guest, Cassie Perez, joining us. Cassie has been the practice manager for Dr. Earl's clinic for the last 10 years. I should say Dr. Earl's hospital. Um, If you have not listened to Dr. Danny Earl's episode, please go back to season one, episode 10, because him and I dive into how he has built the culture at his practice. And I was so impressed with everything that he was saying, everything that he was all about, that I felt it necessary to find someone who has worked side by side with them and has grown through the different, the different, what's what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, Adversities that come along with building a culture at a clinic. We all know that it's not an easy thing. We all know that once you have it, it's a beautiful thing to hold and protect. Um, But I'm just curious what it was like to stand side by side with somebody who believes so deeply in culture like he does. So with that being said, Cassie, welcome. Hey, Jen. Thanks for having me today. I'm really excited. Um, I listened to Dr. Earl's episode and it was awesome. That man is just amazing. Um, I've just loved working with him for the last 10 years. I can't start to tell you what that's meant to me, what he means to me. Um, So I've actually been practice manager for the last six years. Um, I started out with Dr. Earl in 2013 as um, a CSR, actually, um, while I was going to UTSA finishing my bachelor's degree. When I started there, I will tell you, it was immediately clear that the work environment was different from anywhere that I've ever been or anywhere I've ever worked at. this is before I really knew where culture was though. I walked in and you could just tell it was just different, right? The environment. So I bought into it. I, I wanted to be there, got hired, CSR, perfect. Uh, so I worked there for a few years. Uh, December of 2016 rolled around and it was time for me to graduate uh, with my degree. My degree was in criminal justice and I really, really enjoyed criminal justice. Um, I had done an externship uh, with juvenile probation center. Mm. (laughs) And I will tell you afterwards, my whole world was just kind of turned upside down because I, I ended up not really enjoying it at all. And I really thought I would because I loved kids. My heart is in helping people, especially kiddos. And I mean, what better area than just kids that are just so troubled. Right. Right. But I, I just, I didn't enjoy it and I was really upset and sad about it. Well, around that same time, Dr. Earl and Mrs. Earl, who was, um, who's his wife, of course, and the business manager at that time, um, they met with me and they let me know that the current office manager um, at that time was retiring. And they knew that my path and my degree was in something totally different. So you um, were working they, with them at this time, right? You were at correct. the front, you were at the front desk. I was at the front you desk. Through this. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. So they they wanted just to meet with me. I didn't really know for what, you know, they they knew I had graduated and I was in that place of limbo, just kind of sad about my failed externship and um happy I graduated, but it was a weird time, you know. And so um 
they met with me, they took me to lunch one day and they just said, you know, Cassie, we know your path and, and your degree is in something totally different, but we just, we love having you here so much. We, we think that you would just be really wonderful in, in the position of our office manager and we want to offer you that position. And I just, I mean, I, I quickly accepted and I just, it was, for me, it was kind of a man plans, God laughs kind of moment. Mm because I knew that I was supposed to be there in that environment, growing and learning with this absolutely amazing, amazing human being, um, which is a total understatement, as you know, of Dr. Earl. You know, so, Cassie, whenever you tell this story, you know what this kind of makes me think? I, I, I truly believe that I, I tell people all the time, I tell a bunch of baby texts all the time, you may never be in veterinary medicine for your entire life, but the things that you learn while in veterinary medicine will serve you in your entire life. So really lean into it while you're there. And the reason I say that Cassie is because the thought of you being in the front desk and being in vet medicine as a nice, like beautiful spot while you were reaching for what you thought your goals were, right? Like what you thought you were going to go for. I think vet med is one of the best places to be throughout any transitional portion of your life. I mean, the acceptance, the love, the ability to grow, all of those things are abundant if you allow them to be right. And for you, that just speaks very loudly of you. You were using it as your transitional spot, right? But then you found this beautiful unicorn practice where because of the culture and because of the support and because of the growth, you wanted to stay. You had every ability to walk away and go to a different area. You had every ability to lean on that degree. But because Dr. Earl was committed to building this culture, because he had put the hard work in, you didn't, you turned inward, right? And I and I think that speaks so highly. Yeah. And I think that that is some of us working through this culture and, and why it's so important. But I, I also just believe it firmly speaks very loudly about like our profession is a, an amazing profession for any transitional period that might even lead to you staying for even longer than you thought. So I really love that. Well, and to Cassie, part of that story makes me think about when Dr. Earl talks about the KPD meetings, the key production driver meetings. Yes. Almost as if your this opportunity was offered maybe in one of those key production meetings. Can I, do you mind me asking you a question or two about those? Yeah, let's, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Whenever you, so you accepted this position, right? Mm -hmm. You're ready to start this, this journey at this time. Did y'all have KPD meetings active or was this something that y'all put into effect after you started? This is something that was put into effect after I accepted this position. Um, Dr. Earl was in, um, was in some sort of a, a veterinary group that, um, allowed for me to go to almost like an, a conference where I was able to go to certain courses and I learned more about KPDs. Dr. Earl, obviously in that group, knew about them. I learned about them. So we came back together and I said, you know what? I think this would be awesome. We we need to start these. And he was for it because that's something he was told and you know was talked about to him um, in his group. And so we started them. So KPDs, which stands for Key Production Driver Meetings, we started them. And at that time, I was doing them all. Um, and 
what that entailed is they were just small check-ins with our staff members to just kind of give them the opportunity to speak on how they were feeling at that time and overall how they were doing. Um, and it was just really important to us to note that these conversations were listened to's rather than talk to's. Um, those should be separate meetings. We wanted to make sure that our staff members really felt supported and like like we cared because we did, <laughs> you know, we do. And um, so we wanted to give them the floor of just, how are you feeling? What are you feeling? What can we do to support you? Mm. I don't, I'm, uh, Cassie, I know that you didn't, haven't worked at any other vet hospitals, right? Um, you haven't, am I correct by saying correct. that? Yep. So I don't know that you know how lucky you are to be at a place where not only you had the freedom to feel supported to implement such meetings, but that you had the kind of leadership that was willing to commit to figuring it out because listening and having your colleagues feel seen and heard is one of, in my opinion, the most valuable things that you can do in a practice, in a hospital, in a, any facility, I believe, because we all just want to feel like someone cares and that somebody's wants the best for us, you know, and that really is an incredible thing. Tell me, was it like, was it easy at the beginning? Did you do, did you have the conversation with everybody? Did you separate them out from their uh, one-on-ones when it comes to feedback with, with your, um, with your team team members? At the beginning, it was a little, it was a little hard to separate them um, just because of time. You know, I get it. I totally understand the busyness of a hospital and a clinic. And sometimes it's just not doable to have all these one-on-one meetings with everyone. They are busy. You're busy. You have things to do. Um, so at first it was a little difficult, especially being the only one We're we're a good size hospital. Um, being the only one meeting with 25 plus people, I mean, that could take up your whole week, you know, um, I was willing to do it because I really wanted them to know I cared. And I, you know, once you show that and, you know, things, they feel valued and performance is better. We all, you know, all that comes with it. Um, but it did get better. It was, it was easy because I feel like um, I'm the kind of person that is easy to talk to and just kind of sit and 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 listen to so so talking to people and listening comes easy to me I know that's not for everybody but I I am I feel very lucky that these these conversations were 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 an easy task for me so you started by meeting with everybody 20 25 plus people Mm-hmm. Once, however often, how often was it? Every two months, every three months? Uh, we were doing it every month. Okay. Every month. That's incredible. I love that you committed to that. At what point did you start training other people to have those meetings? Because you eventually got to the point where you started to bring leadership into it and have a leadership team that helped support these meetings. Is that a correct statement? Correct. Yeah. It came to a point where um, 
I, of course, I needed to do to focus on on other things. You know, we had we had business to run. I, I needed to make sure that was going well, too. Um, so I was able to train at that time. We had um, a technician manager and then we had our CSR leader. Um, and so just kind of we made a form, a KPD form just to kind of easily go off of. We just kind of had maybe like two or three questions, real simple. These were just kind of questions to get people thinking of, you know, how are you feeling? How are things going? And are you feeling supported? What can we do for you? Just kind of questions like that. that would Those get four questions talking. alone. Uh, can you please, I don't know if you can recall them again off the top of your head, but can you repeat those four questions? Because for anybody in clinic right now who is trying to implement something that doesn't cost any money, but can make massive impact. I say it doesn't. I mean, I all recognize that having meeting times can cost small amounts of money, but it is nothing in comparison to what you will get back from it. Can you please repeat the basis of those four questions? Sure. So I would for sure just start the main question. How are you feeling? Especially right now in vet medicine. How are Mm -hmm. you feeling? How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. Number two, how are you doing here at the hospital? I and I would just say to round out number three, are you feeling supported? And, and what, you could even what can add on to that yeah, question. What, can we do for what could we do to support? Yeah, I think those four questions yeah. for anybody that that is listening, if you start with those four questions with your staff and you mean it and you are coming from a place of genuine interest and seeking to understand and wanting to be there for your team members, those four questions can be a very sustainable action item that can get the ball rolling in the right direction, in my personal opinion. And Cassie, I am so grateful that you highlighted that because it really is important. So as you build this up, right, you start getting your managers, you train them for these conversations. This brings up another area because I know it's going to kind of spill into the next air the next section we wanted to talk about which is you train them to have these conversations but then from our conversation earlier from from what I can tell you also train them to have difficult conversations because I I also believe that one of the biggest things we struggle with is accountability in vet med and and I think some of that is because we are just not taught well enough how to handle that Right. When hard issues come up, how do you hold somebody accountable? How do you have a conversation where people don't get offended or don't get upset? You know, there's a lot of personalities in vet med. So tell me, is that, is that something that y'all intentionally worked on? Yes. I mean, we still do, right? We're all human and that is, we're not perfect. We have a great culture, but I'm sure Dr. Earl shared with you too. That's going to be the weakest part. I think of anybody's culture is each holding each other accountable, not just leadership, but a great culture is really everybody's responsibility and everybody holding each other accountable. And so, you know, for example, we, we like to use this example. It's um someone's constantly late right 
Kayla's oldest time around the yes. veteran anywhere, right? I, I almost bristle up <laughs> hearing you say it because it is a very common. And I, and Cassie, I'm going to venture to say that it's not just our profession struggling with that, but it, it is definitely a thing where tardiness is is just so common. Okay, it so really finish, your, finish your story. It really is, right? So that's the easiest example. Someone is constantly tardy, right? And of course, it's going to be really easy for leadership to just kind of pin them with a, you know, a corrective action or what have you. Well, in a really, really great culture, what should happen is a team member should really go up to the offender and should say, hey, you know, I've noticed you've been late the last week and it's just really affected us. We can't really start prepping these surgery patients on time. The patient you're responsible for, I'm, I had to take over and it just really affects us. Do you think that you could really try to get here on time? And that really puts the ball in that person's court. And what it should do is it should hold them accountable and it should really make their mind say, oh gosh, you know, I'm part of a team and they, they really need me and I need to get it together and I need to be here for my, I need to be here and show up for my team. And so does that always happen? No. <laughs> um, right. But that is essentially what should happen. Um, what we've, what we've done um, to kind of ease into that is we have culture talks with leadership present to kind of give those people the support that they need. Did you work with them specifically on that? Yes. Yes. So um, I worked with them and I kind of just let them know, hey, remember guys, we always want to keep the culture at the forefront. Um, We don't want to make this anything other than just a really respectful talk of someone having a really, really hard time with someone else's actions, um, but respectfully telling them, hey, let's just get it together. I really need you here. I need you to show up for me and your team. And that's all it has to be. You don't even really have to say much. Just be there and support them. And at the end, just say, hey, guys, that was so great. Let's move forward and be positive and, and let's all just try our best. And hey, can you agree that let's let's improve and because Dr. Earl talked about that a lot. He talked about, you know, it's okay that some people are not going to align with what the culture that y'all have set, right? Like some people, it's just not going to be the kind of culture that they want or that they want to be around. And that's okay. That's so true. For the people who are committed to how y'all are going to show up, those are the ones where it's like, hey, here's what we've decided as a practice here's some things that are happening that that aren't indicative of the culture that we are trying to uphold and if if you keep going outside of that boundary right then you enter in more into protocol land right right and although that does happen sometimes right and you can, you're always going to have some level of turnover whenever it comes to any you can have the most beautiful unicorn practice on the face of the earth, and there's still going to be some level of turnover. Have you ever found it hard, Cassie, to bring people in to leadership roles? If you have some people that have choose to either, they've either grown to a different part of their journey, 
or they've went somewhere else or do you ever do you ever have an issue finding more people to uphold this this beautiful thing that y'all have and that y'all protect so dearly I will tell you I feel very very blessed because that has happened to me a couple of times uh, throughout my time being a um, practice manager and each time that has happened there could not be any more of a perfect fit to step into the roles. Um, and that's truly, I feel because of these check-ins and I feel like we really, really. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. I know that you're, I know that you're really reflecting on, on what, how you want to round out that sentence, but I will say this, Cassie, I believe that and I told Dr. Earl this while you, cause I know you're, you're thinking of how you want to, to say that, but I told Dr. Earl this, I said, I've been into a lot of practices, right? I've been into a lot of clinics mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there are not many that I have walked into. I could probably count them on one hand and I've been in hundreds and hundreds of practices, right? I can probably count on one hand how many I've walked into that has the feel that your practice has. Right. And I don't know. I don't know how long it took to get there. I know that y'all had bumps in the road. But for y'all to have that kind of feel for an outsider that comes in, I can only manage what it feels like on a day to day basis. And I bet you that the reason why you had so many people that were a perfect fit was because you practiced this culture that you believe in so deeply every single day and they believe in it too. And because of that, they can see your vision. And because of that, it was easy for them to step into the role because y'all had already paved such a beautiful road in front of them. So I just don't, I like, I would be almost amiss if I did not really focus on just how at peace I feel when I'm in your practice. And that is a big deal. You should be very proud of yourself. You should be very proud of what you and Dr. Earl have done. Um, it is very few and far between. And I, and I, and I think it's nothing short of amazing. Yeah. I think the right word I'm definitely trying to look for is, is nurture because it's so like, that's such a strong, like caring. And, you know, we, Dr. Earl and I both are very caring, loving people. I think nurture is just such a perfect word for us. So I think that's it. We really try to nurture each of the team members goals and growth paths here at the hospital and really, really just try to grow them up if they want here or in their career, wherever they want to go. And Dr. Earl will be the first to tell you, I want to help you get to where you want to be, whether that's here or whether that we're just a stepping stone anywhere. I'll help you get wherever you want to be. And I mean, I feel the same way you know, these guys are all just so amazing and awesome and, and they have big goals for themselves. And I love being a part of, of helping them as CSRs, as techs, but really just as people, you know, um, Cassie, I, and again, a great culture for anybody listening one, go back and listen to season one, episode 10 with Dr. Earl, but to anybody that has any leadership 
if they're a people leader at all, please listen to what Cassie just said, because in vet medicine, I think it, and again, this is my opinion. I understand that, but it is not for everybody long-term. It is very clear that vet assistants usually have a shelf life in vet medicine of five to seven years at the most. It is usually hovers right around five years, right? The statistics show that this is hard on people to stay in long-term, whether it be because of pay, the emotion, the, the want to hit other paths in your life, right? Like it is a real thing. And you, again, in my opinion, should want to build up the human, whether they are choosing to be an RVT, whether they're choosing to specialize in vet med, whether they're choosing to go be a DVM, or whether they are choosing your place as home while they get their degree somewhere else, or while they build up other strengths that will serve them in other paths, right? Like it is not just about getting them there and keep keeping them there forever. If you actually love them and want the best for them and want the best for your practice, that is going to come with the thought that the majority of them are going to have places that they want to grow to. And that's amazing because I want to surround myself with people who are focused on growth. I'm all about that. Right. And I think some of that thought process has to shift a little bit in vet med and it very well could be. I know that I grew up in a, in a time where it was a very, this is a perfect example, right? Like, oh, they're good in kennel, keep them in kennel, right? That can't be someone's thought process. And it certainly can't be, they want, if they want growth opportunity, like we will support only vet med focused growth, right? Like that's not, going to get us very far. It'll do some great things for a small amount of people. Yes, but it's not going to get us really far in my own personal opinion. So I'm so grateful that you highlighted that. Thank you. Okay. Let's, I know we're rounding up to the end of this. Um, and I just want to ask you a couple quick questions. Okay. Okay. All right. If you were to give two pieces of advice to a practice manager that is really trying to focus on culture, we know how big of a beast it is. What would your two pieces of advice be? My first piece of advice would be be an example of the positive culture that you want to see in your hospital every day, um, which first and foremost, show up for your team. You have to be here. Number two would be show that you care above all else. Um, and what I mean by that is talking about issues is inevitable, right? But laying that foundation of caring and being a trusting safe space for your team members is truly invaluable. Mm. You are a wealth of knowledge, Cassie. That was another big one. You know, I, I tell people all the time that I I learned this from a podcast many years ago, but it was talking about relationships and it talked about, you know, pick out these five attributes that you want in a partner and be the, like the the five things that you just want, right. And be those things. And so I defined my five things, right. 
Right. And I became that person each time I showed up to something, anything, whether it was walking the dog, interacting with somebody at a grocery store, whatever, interacting with the client, whatever it was, right. I stayed within the boundaries of those five things, which I think play over into culture. And that's another whole nother story. We can totally dig into that on a different episode (laughs) one time, but But what I noticed about it is that I liked that version of me. Right. And so I believed that I should, I, I, I transferred it over, not only for like relationship, um, personal, but like working relationships and working with team members. And, and I just wanted to be that leader that I would want in somebody else. Um, so for that being one of your pieces of advice, I'm telling you, I just really, I can tell why um, you and Dr. Earl work so well together. Um, okay. So what are you most proud of in your career? I really feel like I'm most proud of how much I've grown because this was my, really my first leadership role um, and how much help and guidance that I've been able to give others um, growing in their leadership roles and skills um, in communicating with team members. I feel like that's where I thrive. Um, I'm a people person. I love people. I love helping people. And I'm just so thankful, you know, Dr. Earl has had a big part in growing me there. Um, And I'm able to just pass that along to everybody here. And I'm really proud of that. I love that. Okay. All right. So what do you think is the the most important lesson or the best advice or or maybe even the the greatest interaction that's come from working with Dr. Earl? Oh man. Okay. So this is like 10 years worth, right? Um gosh, there there probably would have to be like a whole other podcast to speak on what Dr. Earl has taught me, um, all the lessons that I've learned from him. But um Dr. Earl, I will just say is like a second father to me. Um, I, I just truly love him so, so, so much. Um, but I'd say I'm so grateful and thankful to be able to lead by his side every day. Um, he's a safe space for me. And one of the most important lessons he's taught me has been to identify your personal values and your why and live them out every day. You'll feel so fulfilled once you do and it will allow you to be a better leader uh, to everyone else around you. Mm. We'll have to come back and have a conversation around that because that's what there's a certain like um, roadmap that I've built for myself and I use it all the time. And some of the things we're talking about right now is like key items in my own personal um definition of who I want to be and, and how I'm going to show up each day. And so that would be an interesting conversation for us to have. And I love that Dr. Earl has been that human to you. And I could, and I told him just as well as I'll tell you, I knew from the day I met him that I just wanted to be his friend. I wanted to be by him. I wanted oh, yeah. him to be a part of the people that surround me. Um, and I, that, that doesn't happen as easily for me because I, I'm very protective of who I like let into my inner circle and I let him in immediately. And I think that that just speaks very highly to, to who he is, but I'm grateful for you today, Cassie. I'm grateful for you for many reasons um, because I think that you are a living example of someone who puts in the hard work to make a space within vet medicine that we all need. Um, I think that you are very dedicated to your team and 
to your practice and there are not a lot of practice managers that show up in the way that you do. And I believe that um, if this podcast can change the way even one person in leadership thinks, then we've done our job because um, you're a, a great example of somebody who can actually make this happen because so many of us look at it and get overwhelmed and you took the steps and y'all made the decision together. And I am forever grateful of the impact you have made on this profession. So thank you very much. And thank you for being here for this conversation today. Gosh, thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to speak on it. It's so important now more than ever, you know, culture and, and good environments to be in. So I'm so grateful that you're doing this and getting the word out and and just becoming another resource for other practice managers. And, you know, I'm always happy to help. Love yep. help. No, we're going to come back for another conversation. Yeah, I can, absolutely. I can totally see a space where, where we cross the path of our whys and our values and our purpose. Um, it would be interesting for you and I to have that conversation together. So, okay, that's yeah. a deal. Um, Cassie, thank you so much again. I just, I think very highly of you. So. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Bye.